Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today, The Critical Musts, the events that must precede the return of Christ. Well, we have another very critical must to talk about today, one significantly off the radar of the church, and, and really, for that matter, not even a starter among the nations. You've heard me talk about God's mysteries, that the prophets and even the New Testament apostles were aware that God's ultimate destiny for his people would take place at Messiah's return and that the entire Jewish nation would be ushered into God's kingdom at that moment in time. God's plan right from the very beginning when he began and when he made a unilateral covenant with Abraham. The critical must, an event that must occur at the end of the age. Little considered, little considered, but nevertheless, it is a prophetic given. Now, listen listen to this. Listen to this critical must. God will have a Judeocentric millennium. Judeocentric millennium. And listen, a Jewish man will rule the world from there. And to top it off, the corporate headquarters of the age to come will be in the land. Yes, that land, Israel. In Luke, Jesus shared a parable with a a curious crowd while his disciples were nearby. When he pointed out to his listeners that there will be a class of people in the future who refuse to embrace his spiritual authority, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. You can read it in Luke chapter 19, verse 14. Those are important words, words that we'll hear time and time again in the future, words that will be repeated even as we come closer to the return of the Lord. Confusion, ignorance of the scriptures, the casting off of all moral restraint in the nations will lead many, many to fall away and declare, We will not have this Jewish Messiah to reign over us. Those words are not new. Principalities and powers in the heavens have been declaring for millennia. We will not have this this people, this covenant people, to rule over us. It's important to understand first century Israel's rejection of Jesus as it reveals their blindness, a veil, a a divine contention that continues to this day. Paul insists that righteousness would come only and always by faith. Why? Because, as Paul says, they did not seek it by faith, but by the works of the law. For they stumbled, they stumbled at the stumbling stone. That stone of offense was, and of course is, Jesus. Jesus' rejection by the nation, the covenant nation, Israel, did not lie merely in its ignorance of the divine mystery, but rather in the nation's natural hostility towards God, a hostility that even remains today. Listen to the Lord's words in John's Gospel. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now now they have seen and also hated me and my father. You see, Israel missed the hour of her visitation because the nation was, for the most part, absent of the true knowledge of God. And so it is today. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10. We'll start in verse 2. We're just going to read two verses, 2 and 3. Listen to him instruct these Gentile Christians. 
For I bear them, I bear Israel witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, God's righteousness, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. You see, God is just as opposed to the self-righteousness of the Jew as he is the Gentiles. We, we don't come into his presence, the presence of God, without guilt and shame, as if sin never was part of our life because of works. It's by the righteousness of God. And that's what Jacob's trouble will demonstrate to the covenant nation through the church as they are once again scattered about the nations. It's that plain and simple. It's clear. It's an ages-long position of, uh, we can do this thing. We got it together. We We have the law and we have the prophets. Listen, those same prophets have given ample warning there will be a new exodus before the return of the Lord. A nation that will be stripped of temple and worship and once again cast into the wilderness when the principality of the air pours forth his final onslaught by means of a demonically inspired Antichrist. And the church will be the final prophetic witness to the covenant nation during those final three and a half years, leading leading to the conclusion of Daniel's 70th week. The great day of the Lord, when they collectively shall look on him who they have pierced, as the prophet Joel says, It'll be a great day, but it's also going to be a very terrible day. Daniel was given graphic prophetic insight into this final time in an exchange between two angelic beings with Daniel standing nearby. Listen to Daniel chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 6 through 9. And one said to the man clothed in linen, these are angelic beings in the presence of Daniel. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? See, Daniel had just received this wonderful prophetic vision of speaking of the the events that would occur at the end of this age. And listen to Daniel's response. Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who, who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. That's three and a half years, 42 months. And, And when the power, this is good, and when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things will be finished. Daniel said, although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel. For the words are closed up, and they're sealed till the time of the end. You see, the veil having been put in place only to be lifted at the time of the end when the mystery would be revealed. The prophetic witness of of the church that alerts and prepares Israel for its final revelation of Jesus as Messiah. The Apostle John explains in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, listen to him, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, that's the seventh trumpet, when he's about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. The very revelation Daniel was given on the riverbanks 2,500 years ago. Do you see that? 
So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. The issue at the end of the age is the issue behind God's original choice of Israel. And all that choice signifies concerning the divine purpose in history. For what, what's the critical must the church must grasp and understand, especially as we, we move closer to the time of Jacob's trouble and the Lord's return? A Gentile voice to the nations that leads to a Judeocentric millennium and a Jewish Messiah to lead it. We must understand the context of this great mystery because it's now being revealed. Because uh, for most believers today, the focus is really on the church. We don't pay attention to the New Testament. It's all about the, or, I'm sorry, we don't pay attention to the Old Testament. It's all about the New Testament. It's all about Jesus. But something happened, something unexpected Jesus came in the context of a mystery, a mystery to Israel, and we must understand the context. My friends, much of the church is painfully ignorant of the mystery, that through them, here's, here it is, that through them, as this all-alive body of believers, responsibility is given to educate the powers of the air, holy and unholy, of a wisdom that was perfected in Jesus and lived out for 2,000 years in our frail jars of clay. And to know where the Holy Spirit is taking us today, how we're to live out and demonstrate before the eyes of the veiled people the centrality of God's choice of the covenant nation to rule with their Messiah in flesh and blood bodies as the Spirit demonstrates and validates before the nations his right to choose who he will choose. I told you in the last episode, I wanted, I wanted to get to some of the key scriptures. Paul explained this great mystery of Israel and the church. We want to do that now. We, we must understand there, there was a mystery held in plain sight in the Old Testament writings. It was sealed up but now being revealed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the pillar and ground of truth. So let's go, let's go to Romans chapter 16. I want to look at uh, two specific verses, verses 25 and 26. Paul is addressing Roman Christians. You see, earlier in chapters 9 through 11, Paul had taken them through revelation of Israel's election and how, how the nation's rejection of this choice would, would lead to this divine mystery revealed at the end of the age. And now he's summing things up here in, in chapter 16. It's a benediction. He's wrapping, wrapping his teaching up in verse 25. Now to him who's able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for the obedience to faith. Okay, let's go back and understand what Paul's telling us about his gospel. Now to him who's able to establish you according to my gospel. What? What's up with that? Something unique, something different about the gospel that uh, Paul is teaching and preaching? It's according 
to the revelation of the mystery. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm going to give you understanding of my gospel, something that's been hidden in plain sight in the prophets since the world began, but, but now is being manifest by the prophetic scriptures. What's he saying here? We, the church, the predominantly Gentile church, that's coming to its divine purpose and mandate is, is going to make known by the Old Testament writings of the prophets what was God's intent for his people from the very beginning. This is not something new. This is not a new gospel. It's been there all the time. It's now being made known. God says, now is the time for the church to know its purpose in aiding Israel to come to their divine purpose. And how will that be made known? By going to the historic writings of the Hebrew prophets. This is the one and same message, the mystery that he's revealing to babes. This is, a, this is not a word for the prideful, for the arrogant. At his first coming, they missed it. They missed the time of their visitation. The eternal covenant remained veiled from this nation, veiled in a mystery, stumbling at the stumbling stone because of their self-righteousness. The same mystery revealed to the Gentiles as Paul showed in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen to the great apostle. However, we speak this wisdom. What wisdom? The wisdom of my gospel. However, we speak this wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages. Why? For our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, Oh, I love this verse. Listen to this. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The powers of darkness, Satan himself, would never, never have put Jesus on the cross if he'd known Jesus was coming out of the grave and that when Israel sees him coming in the clouds 2,000 years later, they will grieve and go apart to mourn for the one whom they pierced. This was the mystery hidden until Pentecost when the Holy Spirit poured out in the upper room so man might receive the hidden wisdom of our God for our glory, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. This wasn't God's big surprise or, or some, some change of his mind. It was written by the Old Testament prophets, not to disqualify the Jew, but, but to temporarily reject until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. The Hebrew prophets told us that because they struck the, the ruler of Israel on the cheek, they crucified the Lord of glory. He gave them up for 2,000 years. But the promise was that on the third day, he will raise them up that they may live in his sight in the land, never again to be removed from the land. And, and for the next 1,000 years, the Lord of glory will vindicate, acquit, free from blame, and validate before the nations his eternal promise to his covenant people. A perfected plan and promise that the church of Jesus Christ must yet come to understand 
For without such understanding, the church will be deceived with all the events that are coming at the end of the age, vulnerable to the to the wiles of the devil in the crisis yet to come, subject to a, a great falling away, and many will. This is not the most popular teaching of the hour because it's little understood. The church is really so lacking in knowledge of the Old Testament prophets. I believe it will suffer unnecessary outcomes without wisdom into this mystery being revealed now in preparation for that day to come. Beloved, we are the body of believers commissioned to make the wisdom of God known to the powers of the air. If we're to make this known to principalities and powers and rulers and thrones and authority, how much more should we make it known to a, a confused, bewildered world? Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, I ask you to take these words today, impress them upon a church, a remnant, that you've held tightly for the approaching day to come. You've promised to give us a spirit of, of wisdom, a spirit of revelation in your knowledge, to, to know you in a deep spiritual intimacy with full, full, absolute expectation of the, the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your suffering, even being conformed to your death. Lord, that kind of wisdom can come only can only come if it's desperately sought. Place a, Father, place a divine desire in our hearts like we've never known before that will bring us to this fullness of our divine mandate. And we ask it in the name of the Messiah of Israel, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Bless God. Bless you. Bless each and every one of you. I pray for you. Receive the word that you heard today. Receive it as from the Holy Spirit. And Maranatha, Lord, even so come, Lord Jesus. I'm Bill Nordstrom. <laughs>